Welcome to Feminists Without Mystique, a podcast where we process politics, sex, and the unrelenting firehose of bullshit in the news through an unapologetically feminist lens. Each week we begin by venting about the news, we'll go deep on one important issue, call out terrible things happening below the top headlines in a segment called We See You, and then we'll end with something hopeful. (laughs) And just a reminder if you're enjoying us to rate, review, subscribe, recommend us, it really helps others discover us and we always welcome feedback or communication on our social media, FWM Podcast on Twitter and and Facebook, and Feminists Without Mystique on Instagram, and you can support us on Ko-fi. That's K-O-F-I. It helps us buy the hardware and software that we need to keep the the train running. Um, And if you hear a little (laughs) chomping in the background (laughs) like that, it's... um, it's my cat having his breakfast. <laughs> it's breakfast time. Munch, munch. <laughs> so you're doing one of our before the sun um, recordings. So yes, it's it's uh, overlapping with kitty breakfast time. It is. It really is. And we're in a new space. And so it just the new space is great in a lot of ways. But um, for the purposes of podcasting, it's a little bit less conducive. There's even though there's more space in the apartment, there's less closed doors. So um, sadly, the cat might, well, sadly or happily, depending on your perspective, the cat's a part of it. Um, And my (laughs) poor boyfriend has had to ask questions like, wait, uh, when do I, should I use the bathroom now? (laughs) Hold it. (laughs) You You can use the bathroom. Like I have some podcasting time. <laughs> you may not use the facilities. <laughs> well, that's kind of you to let to let him uh, relieve himself in that way. Thanks. I you know I think of myself as a as a kind person, <laughs> generous spirit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, good morning. How are you doing? Fuck off. <laughs> 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 you know the answer. I'm so tired. I'm uh, 31 and a half weeks uh, pregnant now. Um, yeah, it's a lot. It's my body is just like fuck this. Um, yeah. But you know, we're here. We're not thriving, but we're here, <laughs> and uh, that's about as positive as I can spin it. I'm here. Oh man, you're here. You're present. Mm -hmm. And uh, damn, at least it's, you know, it'll be, it'll be temporary-ish, but I really feel like the discomfort of that type of moment feels like I wouldn't want it if you're like temporary, but like for the next two months, that doesn't really feel temporary. Well, then it's like a child. I'm excited for the the baby. Don't get me wrong. But last night in our my like pregnancy virtual whatever we were talking about tearing. Oh yeah. yeah. And this one gal was like, "I don't want to be crass, but I've heard you can tear all the way to your asshole." Oh. <laughs> like yeah, that's a third degree tear. Almost everyone tears to some extent, which I've known all this, but it's just like, oh, all right. Yeah. Um, not looking forward to recovery. And we also talked about postpartum mood disorders, um, which is like one in four to one in five. And there were five of us there. We're just looking at each other. Like, oh. <laughs> who's it going to be? Oh, um, so, yes, excited for her to come. Um, but also, uh, it's, I feel like there's going to 
I feel like there would be some challenges then too, you know? Um, yeah. But I don't know. I just want to sleep again one day. I guess yeah. when she goes to college. Oh my gosh. Or maybe she'll be a baby, a baby who is a sound sleeper from the yeah. very start. Exactly. Sure. <laughs> maybe manifest that, you know. I'm going mani- to work on manifesting that. <laughs> um and we'll see what happens. We are getting the snoo. Well, my uh, sister-in-law is sending us their snoo, which is the, um, like the robot crib. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're Basically, like I, I found this thing like before I even met Charlie, and I was like, I'm getting the snoo because basically, <laughs> like, on average, like parents get like two hours more of sleep a night because it like soothes the baby when they're awake. You obviously still, when they're really little, have to like give them your, your boob juice every like five fucking minutes but mm-hmm. once she's past that point and can sleep without constant feedings theoretically it'll let us sleep more so yeah we're excited about the snow that is exciting that is exciting yeah it's expensive as fuck though so i'm excited that we get a, a hand-me-down snow snow because they're like a grand yeah, yeah that's that especially for something that's god it's like okay but the baby only needs it for x amount of time yeah. you know six months but it's like what price do you put on oh, sleeping i would be you, shelling out that a lot of people couldn't afford that you know we would have had to make you know do some things to so anyway thanks charlie's <laughs> sister for <laughs> do some things <laughs> i keep thinking about that adult foot finder or whatever it is oh that, yeah that website or that app where you do foot stuff for money virtually now keep it on the back burner i just don't know why not you know um, yeah i, I mean I let's need to get a pedicure but i yeah or would i maybe someone's like dirty old feet but <laughs> 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 what's well, like nasty feet <laughs> i mean my niche nasty old feet <laughs> anyway didn't plan to bring any of this up <laughs> not what we're here for it's early it is it really <laughs> is neurons are firing at a different sort of uh, pace <laughs> different pace they're firing you know in a different way yeah. um, about nasty feet you know yeah <laughs> i mean i yeah i really really need a pedicure also it's you know yeah you can do pretty feet videos <laughs> yeah mm-hmm <laughs> Pretty feet and nasty feet. All right. Anyway, okay. what we're here for today. Yep. Yep. <laughs> is to talk about Brittany Sears, obviously. Obviously, well, again, the only. The only. The one and only. The one and only. There were um, two. Initially, we we're going to talk about the Hulu documentary that came out and then realized, oh, the Britney V. Spears one is coming out mm-hmm. or came out yesterday. Um so we watched that one too um so much so many britney documentary things yeah um -hmm. some you know in in some in both of them there was some information that we already knew but then there was also some there was some some new stuff like yeah um the and i just want um i would love one where it's like britney is (laughs) speaking yes um i mean they both say they try to like feature things that she has said like when she actually was able to speak in court and stuff um but there is something that feels a little not voyeuristic but a little like about yeah about watching them um 
but the Hulu one talked a lot more about because like so far we've gotten the focus on Jamie Spears because he's a piece of shit yeah um and he's done such such bad such bad Mm -hmm. um and these talked about him too like he was getting he's been getting like 16,000 a month plus a percentage and you know we've heard like oh he'll step down but he wants like two million dollars to step down Mm -hmm. um and today there's supposed to be a court hearing in the 29th yeah um so we'll see what happens but the hulu one went more into the security company black box and tristar and they were fucking recording everything like all her texts all her calls all her facetimes monitored Mm -hmm. audio surveillance in her bedroom Mm -hmm. 24 7 um and the guy who was talking about it alex vlasov um was you know working with her for like nine years um and had some like ethical questions along the way and then it later came out that oh maybe the court wasn't aware of any of this mm-hmm. um and maybe none of this was legal um but it certainly we didn't learn anything that made us feel better about the conservatorship we're like oh maybe you know yeah. um the level of they compared it to her being in, in prison which you know seems accurate she had all Mm -hmm. of her fucking communications monitored um and was under surveillance and wasn't able to do make even the smallest decisions herself and mm -hmm. the environment seemed at a minimum like emotionally abusive but there's definitely there's this like layer of her father jamie spears's like like being physically imposing and intimidating and and we'll get into it, but he has, there's a restraining order out against him that on behalf of um, Brittany's, one of Brittany's sons that Mm -hmm. Kevin Federland filed. So because he had like bashed down a door or something involving like making them fear for their safety and, and slamming doors or kicking down doors, which is just like highly inappropriate, especially when you're like contrasting that with the fact that he's a conservatee, Mm -hmm. this man who also has like alcohol issues and has been bankrupt before. He's a conservative yeah, or a conservative. Really, it doesn't seem like he's the best choice. Um, like you said, he door came off the hinges and mm-hmm. he also like shook the kid. Um, and Brittany wanted him to be have random um, alcohol tests because he, you know, she's been subjected to drug tests constantly this whole time. And he has a history of alcoholism. It also um, was mentioned that he wasn't part of her life mm-hmm. until um, he came in to be her conservator, basically. It's just everything we learned about this pile of shit of a man um, kind of further drives home the point that even if there were, she should have been under conservatorship, which I don't think we haven't seen any evidence for, mm-hmm. um, he shouldn't be the one doing it. No, no. I also like in the Hulu um, controlling Britney Spears documentary, they get these, their hands on these court records that like that judge goats um, apparently like in a conversation with counsel uh, said like when they mentioned her asking Jamie Spears, like asking that he be test drug tested or alcohol tested they were like, like basically like, who is she? I hardly think she's in any place to be 
requesting that. Um, and then in the same conversation, uh, when someone expressed, her lawyer, I think, expressed that she wants to marry or have the right to marry, um, the judge was like, well, I'm not aware that she can't marry, but maybe don't tell her that. Like, unbelievable levels of unethical collusion and commentary from people who are that is not shouldn't have been their role ever yeah it just seemed like she was surrounded by people who had no interest in actually helping her or had a vested interest in keeping these court cases um going because a lot of people were paid and i didn't realize that in that with california conservatorship law for the conservatorship of person um, it's for people who aren't able to feed themselves clothe themselves provide shelter for themselves or take care of their own health um it's not people who can who are holding down jobs mm-hmm. um and Brittany, obviously like within i think they said within his two months of the conservatorship she was on how i met your mother mm-hmm. um and then just tour and tour and tour and, and like work and work and work and, mm-hmm. um, and there was like the suggestion that she had like in the in the court filing that she had. Um, well, first they did a, a filing that she couldn't contest to this like five day filing. Mm-hmm. Um, so they did they did it so she couldn't challenge it out the gate, um, which was uh, beyond sketchy. And then there are these throughout the conservatorship all these all this evidence that comes out about her trying to fight it um even though the, the court's opinion was oh she hasn't tried <laughs> she hasn't yeah. tried to get out of this yeah. um but they cited that she had uh jamie spears cited that she had dementia and the doctor on the form um who they interviewed <laughs> wouldn't oh wouldn't wouldn't say that he actually has ever met her um <laughs> That might have been the strongest point in the like Netflix documentary was that motherfucker like that Jerry he retired geriatric psychiatrist. I basically paused it because I was like, this mm-hmm. man is first of all, like he is both smug and incredibly sketchy, guilty. Like, what the fuck is he? He he wouldn't he wouldn't admit, he kind of did admit. And then he backtracked and was like, oh, when I met her, I'm not going to acknowledge I met her. It's like, but you signed her medical attestation saying Mm -hmm. that she had dementia. And he was like, I'm not going to acknowledge that I met her. Like, oh, show me my signature and I'll, and I'll say that I did. But, um, and there was no, you know, there's no document that, that showed that. And with dementia, it's like 95 at least 95% of dementia people who are diagnosed with dementia are over 65. Mm-hmm. Um, and if she had been, and people who are under 65 tend to be, you know, early onset fifties, maybe forties. Um, and Britney Spears in her thirties, I mean, if she had, I haven't, I have not seen her or evaluated her, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, if she were to have dementia that was diagnosed at that point, um, we would be seeing things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> very, very obvious things at this point, even if it was um, easy to hide back then. It just seems like such wild, wild bullshit. Right. Um, and she's been in this conservatorship for, what, 13 years? Uh, and you know, trying to get out of it. Um, 
met with what is her name? Um, one of the women who did the the Netflix documentary, right? Um, Jenny Ellisque, I yeah, think. Jenny Ellisque at the. So Jenny offered to like help basically met her at the montage, like in a bathroom so that she could sign a form to request a new lawyer. And then um, her lawyer, Sam, a few days later was like, she did this, but she doesn't actually want a new lawyer. Um, She's, she's happy with me. And he's made $3 million over the course, at least $3 million over the course of, of um, her conservatorship, this court appointed lawyer. Yeah. Um, so it didn't seem like he was uh really acting in her best interest, which is also further, I feel like, illuminated by the fact she gets a new lawyer and immediately yep. they file to get rid of the conservatorship. Um right. there were just so many people around her that were actively keeping her in this, you know, prison of sorts. Yeah. For so long. For so long. And I mean, how fatiguing. And then to get on top of that, like, so the people who are controlling her are benefiting financially. They they get to make all the decisions, like, about her professional life, her personal life, every her medical care. Like, you know, she can't, under this conservatorship, consent to consent or decline medication. So, you know, when she, there was that incredibly chilling moment where she, they, were, they were talking about how they would give her more of the medication she likes when she worked and then she mm-hmm. when she didn't work or she didn't want to work they would either pull back on that medication or give her something else like lithium um which she talked about in her t- verbal testimony her testimony a couple of months ago um i i like <sighs> In this, I didn't feel like the second documentary, the Britney versus Spears, was as strong. Mm-hmm. I kind of felt like generally that's where I started feeling a little more uncomfortable. Like this is more voyeuristic, and Netflix like was just like, who is making a documentary right now, and we'll just mm-hmm. buy it from them and like get a ton of easy clicks. Generally, mm-hmm. um, at least just for maybe just in comparison to the what I felt was like a much deeper dive that the New York Times did, and they got better interviews and they got people to say more like it was interesting that the um control the britney versus spears which was netflix had the same woman felicia her yeah fifi her like assistant and confidant um she did come on but she wasn't saying much like she and she kind of would apologize and say you know it's not worth it to me to fight with the family Mm -hmm. sorry or like that's all i'm gonna say about that and not that she said a whole lot. I was like, okay, what did she say that was better in the Hulu New York Times documentaries? I just, I just think she gave, yeah, she just, she said a lot more and they Mm -hmm. obviously, whatever was going on with this Netflix documentary, people were not really wanting to talk and they didn't, it didn't seem to have the same, like the same heft. Um, But like one of the things that I, did feel that they at least it was helpful to me to get a little bit more about Sam Lefty who Mm -hmm. because he was such a critical part of the like uh, scapegoating or he was the scapegoat for and and the the excuse for the initial um, intensity and like sketchiness of putting her under a conservatorship without those five days notice Mm -hmm. Um, he looked sketchy to me he seemed like, especially from the very beginning, just like the vibes, the kind of the way his eyes were darting around. He was like, they were like, what's your name? And he kind of was like, 
Sam Lefty. I don't know. It was like, uh, okay, this feels weird. But as he sort of talked a little bit more, it was, it got, it got better. And, but it was really helpful to have the two of him and Adnan, who I hadn't really been aware at all. I mean, of her relationship with that guy, but between those two guys and the cinematographer who I really was like, fuck this. Fuck boy vibes. He is fuck boy vibes. <laughs> he is fuck boy vibes. I, his sweater, his whole vibe of like, he kind of reminded me of the Handmaid's Tale skit on SNL where they're like, we're literally wearing red and we're not able to do anything. They're like, damn, that sucks. Wait, so you're not going to be able to play kickball this weekend in Central Park? Like, he he just like, seemed like I mean he didn't I don't even know that he knew what he was admitting to or or the level of complicity but he almost when he was like you know she wrote me this letter she wanted me to read it and like then yeah she would tell me things like I want help get me out of this help me and then I would just like usually try to deflect that's what he said and I'd steer her away from it and then like yeah, like we're close friends. We're close friends in a way where I was like, the way that you keep saying close friends made me think like, okay, so you were fucking. Um, you could just say that and everyone would have like a little, like, you know, you're in a, this is supposed to be a documentary, man. Like we're, we're not like your friends over like drinks or you don't have to be coy. Um, but I just felt like this flimsy man was another, like yet another person who, I mean, he was the worst one because at least, it's felt like Adnan and Sam Lefty were facilitating her meeting with a reporter to get a lawyer. They had drawn up paperwork to get her to be able to be liberated and whatever there, if they had their own sketchy motivations for that, at least they intersected with her autonomy and agency. And it was helping her get in front of a New York Rolling Stone reporter. If that bathroom anecdote is real, it's just like so cinematic and sad. Um, but anyway, I, I kind of went on a tangent, but I just actually kind of meant to say the men in her life almost universally seemed so to just colossally let her down. They benefit from everything that she brings. And then they, when push came to shove, they were all in it for themselves. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the way it would seem. Yeah. And the, the Britney V. Spears definitely, um, there were, there were a lot of interviews like that you know with Adnan and with Sam Lefty and um it sounds like and one thing that just was heartbreaking to think about was when and also like grains of salt because they have um you know reason to want to defend themselves Mm -hmm. and I would like to hear her again (laughs) speak on all of this but you know her and Adnan were dating and um by his reports she you know, kind of saw him as someone who made her feel safe. Mm-hmm. And after the conservatorship started, he was driving back to her home and her dad and all these security guards were there and she, you know, didn't want to, she wanted to basically like turn around and he was like, well, he's your conservator. So I'd be kidnapping you mm-hmm. basically if I don't release you to him, um, which is just ugh, so sad. And Sam Lefty, like there were all these allegations that he was like drugging her and all Mm -hmm. this. And he spoke to the fact that she went underwent like hundreds of drug tests while they were together and passed everyone and, and all that. Um, And again, yeah, he gave (laughs) sketchy vibes. Yeah. Um, But it was, 
in previous documentaries, they were kind of referenced, but didn't really get into it. So I did, I, I think it was valuable to hear their um, perspectives and, you know, like Adnan had text messages from her and things like that. Um, so I do think it was nice to hear. Yeah. that fucking cinematographer was just like <laughs> painfully douchey. Yeah. Um, just, I was like the date to her brother's wedding. And, um, <laughs> anyway, I had this letter uh <laughs> where she's like begging for help and you know he like turns it over and but he kept like a copy of it and they're like oh yeah the foresight too he's like it wasn't really foresight i just didn't really want to carry it around with me so i took a picture of it <laughs> like you're just oh dude i can't i can't with him um i just i hope that i mean it's it's reckless like he he is a he is a reckless man probably on tinder currently and like for no other reason just watch the doc so you can like put him on your <laughs> on your no-go list <laughs> so awful and then what you're saying about um like that people going into more detail in the in the hulu documentary like felicia like she spoke to the fact that britney's quote-unquote team was telling her britney felicia's like longtime assistant mm-hmm. um telling felicia oh britney doesn't want you around anymore mm-hmm. um and so felicia was and they're like so you can't you, you can still like you know go on the tour but you can't be seen by her basically mm-hmm. and then towards the end of the tour um felicia is accidentally in the same place as her and <clears throat> britney like runs over and gives her a huge hug and it's like where have you been mm-hmm. um which sort of speaks to uh the fact that people were trying to keep people away from her that weren't invested in keeping her down basically um which is awful and the and just like the extent of the financial control and like her allowance she was walking through like the mall and wanted a pair of fucking sketchers 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 like we're not talking about louboutins if we were the woman has made so much fucking money let her buy a pair of fucking shoes and the uh, the wardrobe person ended up buying the sketchers, saying they were for the stage and didn't work for the stage, and gave them to her to take home. But she was told she couldn't buy the sketchers for her. Mm-hmm. She doesn't have money for sketchers. And every 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 request Brittany made, whether it was like what was for dinner, um, had to be approved. It's like no, you had that last night. It's too expensive. Um, just the amount the, the shortness of the leash that she was on for no apparent good reason other than the amount of money that she was making other people um apparently over the past year jamie's legal team has, has requested from you know of course britney's estate because she's paying for every mm-hmm. all the lawyers on all the sides um over 1.3 million dollars in legal fees including over half a million for media matters yeah just basically them like going against her on tv um which is just insane that's just in the last year that amount of money um Mm -hmm. it's yeah the jason uh trawick her boyfriend for a while he was interviewed um just just uh a lot of a lot of uh a lot of men's in her life were interviewed for the new york Times or not the new york Times one the other one but need versus spears and mm-hmm. it's i think part of the issue with that one is i think both um 
Miss um, Ellis Q and the other individual who are working on it cared a lot about it. And they've been working on it for two years, but it initially, I think because of everything that's been coming out recently, they had to kind of, they wanted a release, Netflix probably wanted a release date mm-hmm. before this court hearing on the 29th. And they had to kind of, they had some things and then they had to kind of rush to finish. Mm-hmm. And so it didn't, um, it didn't hit quite the same way as the other one, because I think it was just unfinished, honestly. Yeah. Um, Cause it had started as one project and then I think they just sort of made them turn it into another one or with new information, they went decide to go another direction, but yeah. they wanted it out because, you know, all of this public attention around it now. Um, so it was, yeah, it wasn't as compelling as the, the Hulu, the Hulu one. Um, yeah, I, I totally I agree. I think this is it's kind of un, unlike the Fire Festival docs where there was the Hulu and Netflix and it was kind of like, I don't know, both of them. People had their preferences, but like they both were fun and great and, you know, fun because we're gawking at rich people issues that are like great. Um, this one, I would say you don't necessarily I mean, if you're someone who can't get enough Britney content, then the 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 Netflix one is worth watching just because it's it's more and there are other interviews and it's like there are a few there are some revelations. I think the bathroom lawyer cloak and dagger was probably the most like interesting revelatory because that was like 2009 and I think they did it it kind of fills out some of the gaps that the New York Times doesn't I would say like they don't have time to focus on because they're trying to make a tight one also that was the other thing because that was like a little over an hour for the New York Times and this one was 90 minutes and it didn't need to be 90 minutes if that's if like all they had was what they were showing us Mm -hmm. which I think I also think like you said that's that was your your take is like a little bit kinder. And I think it is the true thing, which is Netflix was imposing deadlines that if they had had more time to finish the way they wanted to, it would have been better. Um, but I think that uh, controlling Britney Spears is kind of when I think about what I would want people to see to get like more of a totality of, of the injustice over the years, especially because they had framing Britney Spears first and that sets everything up really well. Um, I would just say, you know, stick with the Hulu um, New York times documentaries. If you're like, okay, there's three now, you know? Yeah, definitely. And one thing that um, stuck out for me too, is just her, the way they seem to keep her from speaking out too publicly um, was just fear of losing access to her kids um, several different people, I think in both documentaries spoke to, yeah. spoke to that, um, in the Britney versus Spears one, they were saying her main focus was getting time with her children. Her second was whether the conservatorship would end or if her father would be more lenient with her privileges. Um, and so that it's just, she, me. yeah, it's just, she, I think was, you know, living in fear that if she doesn't do what she's quote unquote supposed to do one they'll fuck with her medications Mm -hmm. um and lithium's not a casual (laughs) fucking drug um and they'll you know potentially make threats to keep her kids away from her even though interestingly enough as we mentioned jamie spears has there's a restraining order against him 
yeah um with the kids it's just how is this how has this fucking man been it's just in like hiding in plain sight all these years um Mm -hmm. and it's just like i don't know if if the assumption was well i mean she's so high profile if something were really fucked up some someone would have done something at some point um and she was trying behind the scenes and people were trying to help her behind the scenes here and there but overwhelmingly it's just like everyone even people who are supposed to be on her time on her side were being paid large amounts of money and incentivized to keep this conservatorship going um despite the fact that there doesn't seem legally there's not really a (laughs) not really a ground to stand on for it lasting this long and for all of the the ways in which it was her um jamie's little paws were so deeply you know grasping onto her and keeping her from making even the most basic of decisions for herself um so and she is we mentioned this on another episode but she's engaged now to sam ashgari who like i want to i want to fucking oprah sit down interview with the two of them yeah primarily britney but i'm also like all right guy yeah <laughs> right your vibe um and he seems nice enough and all the like things but um uh you know i'm just she has a there's just so many people that have taken advantage of her in her life um but i'm hoping that we get a good decision today and she can finally be free to live her it's just the fact that this has happened gone on for so so long and how deeply entrenched in this madness um and the fucking black box security, the Oof. head of it, sketchy yeah. motherfucker. Yeah, um, <laughs> sketchy motherfucker. When the guy who was interviewed was talking, he said that when he quit and basically brought up ethical concerns, um, I'm praying the name of the. I mean, he sounded like a, like a Russian mobster, but <laughs> it was like Enad or yeah, like Enad or something like that. Yeah, like called him into the office and like did like that move like you see in a movie where he like takes his gun holster and puts it on the table like, so you don't like the way i do business huh <laughs> it's like you caricature yeah um, but yeah the the security company whose client was jamie spears not britney spears mm-hmm. was with her 24 7 made her take her meds in front of them which is mm-hmm. very prison vibes mm-hmm. um and then one thing that i feel like we have to bring up um before we close out this discussion is the fact that she was involuntarily committed to a mental facility that she had to pay for. Yep. Um, yeah. Which is, I mean, unethical and also illegal. Mm-hmm. Um, you're, And we have evidence that it was involuntary because of text messages she sent saying she didn't want to be there. Yeah. Um, and again, more people getting paid for her to be, um, you know, further imprisoned essentially so yeah and that's a thing too for people who can't who don't have the i mean one she still has a ton of money because she's britney spears but the amount of money she's lost has to be astronomical Mm -hmm. um when you think about how much money the taylor swifts and whatnot have today versus what she has but there are people you know you have to think about the people who are in situations like hers who don't have the money she has and how they just go you know get completely bankrupt because of people taking advantage of them mm-hmm. um but yeah the involuntary uh commitment is just another <laughs> evil against her yeah 
No, uh, yeah, uh, that 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 was that's so that was so horrific. And like you said, I mean, in plain sight is actually that was like the top note on my notes from the New York Times documentary, and so that I I couldn't even. I was scrolling through my notes being like, okay, where was the one about the New York times? And mm. it was, the title was like in plain sight because, and I think it's interesting in the context of our conversation last week about um, Gabby Petito and missing and murdered indigenous women. Um, just thinking about the full spectrum of um, like female suffering and female disappearance um, and how it's it's enormously disturbing to me that like someone as high profile with, and with as much money and theoretically as like as much resources as Britney Spears has, this was able to happen to her. She was able to be um, manipulated legally, like the, through the through the arms of the justice of the quote unquote justice system by her family, by her father, by by teams of medics, medical experts, by her business um, business management company that was, of course, a Jamie Spears thing by a security company. So there's this whole apparatus around her that legally imprisoned her by, you know, really functionally for 13 years. And it's only, it only seemed to get attention. And I, I mean, credit goes to the internet sleuths really on this one, um, who, and the Free Britney movement, I think. I mean, I... I think getting that visibility out there and then the, and then documentary filmmakers who really pushed this to become something that they really, they really dug in to get as much information as they could. I mean, I think people really, it, it didn't make sense cognitively to a lot of people who were just like, what's going on with the conservatorship or is this something she wants or what, what even is it? I mean, now we all have a, a better sense of what, of what, what a conservatorship actually entails and how it seems like, except for wildly exigent circumstances, you would not want, it wouldn't make sense for a young, healthy person, even with, with um, mental health issues that they need to be working through to be put in a conservatorship at the, and the, and the, there, there has got to be um, changes to the laws to make sure that, the people who are, who is a, whoever is a conservator of someone is in no way financially benefiting, standing to benefit, benefiting from decisions that are made on that person's behalf. That seems like a built in glaring conflict of interest and um, adding on to it that that person gets a court appointed lawyer. They can't even like, you know, I, I understand if you're thinking the person can't make decisions on their own, but my God, like, yeah, there's got to be, there has to be way more um, built in protections for the conservatee, considering that we always talk about it. One of like the tenets of, 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 of this country's justice, the, our justice system is individual rights and, and how closely guarded those are. Um, this seems to be a major loophole and it's deeply disturbing to me that we that Britney Spears was able to, you know, find, find, find herself in the situation and was unable to get out of it. Um, still is kind of is, is in it still, but for 13 years. Um, and it, it does, when I think about the spectrum all the way to um, the hundreds of women who, you know, are missing or murdered um, 
women of color or in the indigenous community, even in the, what was it, 500 mile radius of where Gabby Petito went missing, you know, it's, it, it just, and maybe, maybe this is because I just read Rebecca Solnit's Men Explain Things to Me. And she just like, it's a bunch of essays where she's really tying it all together by like male, um, she says like there's basically like a direct line between mansplaining and like um and and violence femicide um and she said like oh i was just talking about an anecdote where some you know man in aspen like mansplained a book that i wrote and i ended the pair i ended the essay with like you know a double murder suicide of a a guy who murdered his wife or something and like like it seems like the volatility of someone like Jamie Spears who is capable of threatening people and intimidation techniques and emotional manipulation um giving allowing this person this level of power i mean there's no just like we we there's got to be a more comprehensive way to evaluate people and these situations and value women broadly women's lives women's livelihoods women's ability to live safe and healthy lives free from a free from high statistics of abuse and murder and domestic violence like that's got to be like we fucking need to prioritize this and it's it's to protect everyone from Britney Spears all the way to the women who are chronically ignored in our um like cultural consciousness absolutely like can you imagine like a Robert Downey Jr for instance being in a conservatorship for 13 years God, like it's no. just no uh, not to not to sass you know I'm <laughs> He seems like a great guy, but I was just trying to think of someone who, in the public eye who was also in the public eye in that period who had, you know, public, you know, issues of some variety. Um, but it's just the, like, infantilization of women and girls and, you know, the assumption that, oh, well, he's taking care of her. She must mm-hmm. need help. Mm. Um, she doesn't know what she needs, little woman. You know, it's just ugh, so much... So much patriarchy, so little time. So little time. (sighs) (sighs) (laughs) And now for We See You. All right. Um, This is just some stupid fucking shit where (laughs) generally when I see the things the the youths today are doing, I'm like, way to go, kids. (laughs) But this, I was like fucking idiots so (laughs) kids students um i think primarily in high schools are for there's a tiktok trend um it might not even be a trend anymore because this was you know came out last week um stealing shit from schools for their for their tick for tiktok videos Mm. um Mm -mm. no whether it's (laughs) a soap dispenser or like ripping soap dispensers off of walls, destroying uh, sinks, intentionally clogging toilets, mm. um, destroying ceiling tiles, um, and then just like 
posted it's called a lick apparently as the guys i'm so oh, old yeah. apparently the kids are calling it licking <laughs> when they're it's a new slang for theft i guess oh. but and it's like hashtag devious lick oh my god <laughs> i know gross i know um and so it'll be like hey, look at my devious lick i ripped this <laughs> fire extinguisher off the wall <laughs> devious licks um which is just like schools don't need schools already have a funding problem we don't need the students to be doing their devious licks and stealing shit and you know damaging school property that costs a ton of money like so many schools are struggling just to have the essentials you know teachers are paying for supplies out of pocket and then you have these little motherfucking kids <laughs> just like hey, hey devious licks this is gonna cost you 10 grand to repair hey tic tac um, devious yeah. licks is like really offensive <laughs> devious licks oh, <laughs> lord i'm just picturing like the kids from my middle school and they're like Vulcum t-shirts and their spiked hair like hey, hey, devious. like i know exactly which kids in my school would have done it yeah um yuck and it's like i get teens do stupid shit and test boundaries um but it's just like you're not you're you're hurting you know you're hurting teachers and you're hurting schools and you're not like sticking it to the man in any kind of way you're just like further um hurting a system that that needs help um yeah anything and it's like why like why a devious licking why why it's just so stupid why are you devious licking (laughs) why you devious licking it's like there are other things you can do for attention on tiktok there are plenty of things you can do you don't need to be ripping soap dispensers off walls and breaking sinks and stuff like i don't know what is the what is the goal here yeah um why is this edgy why is this cool why is this a thing um and the poor fucking like principals and stuff are just like please stop (laughs) like they already have like budget slashes and budget cuts and now they need to like put a line item in for devious licks like (laughs) (sighs) i was just thinking like an email subject line devious licks like (laughs) (laughs) devious licks update um like there are plenty of ways to get attention on social media um yeah let's not let's not go in this direction where you're like harming people and institutions that are good for society that are underfunded mm-hmm. um just like go devious like sneak into mitch mcconnell's office and steal something like devious lick yeah. um, i mean not actually because you shouldn't break into that building and let's just, yeah, let's- i don't know don't steal things i guess steal um, things. and if you have to <laughs> do it um I don't know, just don't steal, I guess, but especially not from um, schools, especially public schools. Um, yeah. So I see you to like the youth who are devious licking. I don't know, devious like stop licking. it. It's it's foolishness. It's foolishness. It's get your attention some other way. Do a TikTok yeah. dance. Aren't you still doing the dances? Do a dance. Make Do a creative a dance. video. You know what's creative about just stealing? Yeah. Yeah recklessness and it's foolishness and i expected better from you this generation um yeah so i see you hashtag no more devious licks
<laughs> no more. Your generation's supposed to be better. They have you guys have to be. Unfortunately, yeah. lots of lots of issues are piling up at your door and our door, and uh, yeah, we I can't guess be looking. Teens are always gonna teen. <laughs> teens are gonna teen, but let's not devious lick. Devious, devious lick. licks. Eh. <laughs> Ugh, okay, this is another type of deviousness. And actually, one might say it's devious looking, but for the housing market, one might Ooh, say that. Ooh, <laughs> wow. Wow, transition, mm-hmm. transition alert. Um, this one is stressful to me, even though I am not a homeowner and I'm like, it's more of like hypothetically in the next like three to five years, I'd like to be a homeowner. I'm at some point hoping not to like constantly just be fucking renting one bedroom apartments for my whole life. Um, and so obviously the like housing market, I think it, I've noticed that it's uh, at least on Twitter, anyone who's been looking for a house in the last year has had like incredibly stressful, incredibly stressful time of it. And I'm, I know you can also speak to this, uh, but like, there's it, there seems to be increasingly more sketchiness happening with um, racing to buy up homes. There's been big firms, like not just real estate firms, but like other investment firms that are um, like not it's not Blackstone, but like black black something. Um, the like kind of firm that has bought up a lot of real estate and continues to um, to just add it to their portfolio. Um, has been pretty unsettling. But the most recent thing that kind of freaked me out was um, someone went viral on TikTok for talking about um, essentially suggesting that Zillow um, buys a whole bunch of homes and then they are, well, Zillow is like getting a huge um, inventory of homes and they, but they strategically buy like a few homes in a certain area at the, at the asking price. And then the final one they buy in that area, they will buy for over market so that suddenly all of their homes in that area are over market. Cause you can say, Oh, the last one sold for this much. So then it jacks up all their other properties that they just bought. Um, and that seemed really insidious. And of course, Redfin and Zillow are trying to um, refute this take. Um, And Vice wrote an article saying that Zillow isn't big enough to manipulate the housing market, parentheses, yet. Um, But the fact that there's such a huge presence uh, of Zillow and Redfin um, in the housing market already, and it makes a lot of sense. I mean, I don't think it's conspiratorial to basically say, well, both of these huge companies now have unlimited amounts of data about where people are looking to rent or buy, like what their budget is, what the things that they prioritize are. And then now there, it would be like, from a business perspective, smart to use all that data to then buy up all these assets and then charge higher than market price or have it in your portfolio, which is the scariest thing to me. Just like a bunch of empty houses that just exist and are being maintained for like for what exactly when there are so many people unhoused people and, and, and just a, a massive crisis. This seems like, um, this seems like Zillow and like going to the Met ball basically while there's like a ton of starving people outside, you know, it was just like you, the, the amount of, um, wealth that it seems like they, they are accruing and could, could 
potentially accrue kind of silently um, totally freaks me out. I mean, and I, this was, this was an article from recently, but there was from a month ago, PBS ran an article talking about how houses are getting scooped up before they're listed and it's shutting people out of homeownership. There's, we know that the, this is a hot housing market, but it really seems like there are a lot of ways, a lot different, like legal loopholes and other, um, ways in which policies that exist now are being manipulated by these, um, by these companies like Zillow and Redfin, uh, so that they can maximize their asset growth, um, in the housing market to everyone else's detriment, you know, because homeownerships is already like something that a lot of people want, but can't afford, or just, you know, get duped into certain bad deals or because it's, it's seems like as much as anything, it's like a game of chicken, you know, it's like, Oh, we'll play this one. Oh, ooh, ooh. you know, what's the, what's the, uh, who's investigator or like, um, inspection fees. Are you going to waive and blah, blah, blah. Can you pay cash? Can you pay cash again? Like what are we? Who? Who? <laughs> um, so this is a we see you to Zillow and Redfin because it's just like it, it's fully on trend with like 2021 and like the total and complete collapse of of things making any sense. But and I'm I I hope that there's some way to sort of regulate this. Again, this would be something that would be helpful if we had like a Congress of people that on their average age was like a bit fucking lower than 87. Um, because then you would maybe have your finger on the pulse of like what's going on and how this actually, this type of manipulation is subtle and technically legal probably, but affects people being able to attain what we always say is one of the like things about the American dream, like a house with a picket fence. It's like, well, these fucking companies are making that harder and harder for the average person. So we see you. Absolutely. Can like Elizabeth Warren assemble a team or something and just like housing reform, please? Because only minimum wage hasn't gone up. Housing costs have skyrocketed. Um, mm-hmm. Rents have gone. It's just ugh, it's so prohibitive. Um, so I, I second that. I second that. We see you. Um, Florida. <laughs> Always. Always. <laughs> Can we go a week without mentioning Florida? Kind of like Tucker um, Carlson. It's always, it's always uh, there. <laughs> Tucker. God, he's mm, admitting he lies. Anyway, uh, I digress. Florida. Um, they have a newly appointed Surgeon General. Um, he's a shitbag, just like their governor. <laughs> um, they sign so first of all the cdc guidelines uh for students um who are exposed to COVID is to quarantine for 14 days or seven days with a, a negative test and the reason is that 14 days is the, is the pretty pretty re- reasonably max incubation period of covid so if you're exposed on day one if by day 14 you're not testing positive you probably won't um but the average is closer to you know five days so that's why the seven day addendum to try to you know let kids be in school and all that jazz but mm-hmm. in florida they're like we don't cdc who science what <laughs> rights give us rights um so the the uh surgeon general um dr joseph ladapo or ladapo uh tweaked their um 
tweak the rules uh, saying that students are not required to quarantine at all after being exposed to COVID, that it's up to parents. And oh, okay. Great. Yeah. And the thing about public health is <laughs> we need uh, rules in place that protect people, even if they have shitty parents. Mm-hmm. Um because when you're not requiring quarantine, and I get we all want kids to be able to just go to school and, you know, mm-hmm. normally and all that. We all want a lot of things, but the world we live in does not, um, it's not conducive to everyone getting everything they want all the time. Uh, so when you are making quarantine optional, you're exposing all the you're exposing all the kids who are at school, some might, who might have underlying conditions. Um, and especially with the vax, the Pfizer vaccine, it's going to be, you know, approved for kids five to 12 soon, probably by Halloween, they're saying, um, and if those quarantine guidelines are the same as adult quarantine guidelines, then kids who are vaxxed aren't going to need to stay home for 14 or seven days anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, so why can't we just do what we know is evidence-based and safest for everyone in the meantime? Yeah. You know, it feels political. <laughs> it feels what? political. It does. I, I know. Hot take. It doesn't feel based in science. That's in fact, crazy. it's spitting, <laughs> spitting directly in the face of science. Um, so, you know, we, we see it, especially coming from Surgeon General, you know? Yeah. Like you're yeah. supposed to be, you're supposed to be doing doing medicine science mm-hmm. <laughs> you're not supposed to be doing these just like political moves that are a scientific um you know i expect this from ron DeSantis, <laughs> but i mean yeah i get i get that you're the florida surgeon general but <laughs> you're still supposed to be doing the science and using evidence in in guiding your decisions and you know having concern for public health and public safety and the safety of children and everyone who works in schools Mm -hmm. um so here's a here's a little we see you to Mm -hmm. um to ladapo um who also eliminated uh mandates that required students to quarantine at least four days off campus if they were exposed uh so this is for kids who go to to campus so now there's no restrictions for them so you can choose to quarantine wow it's all about choice right because they care about choice it's all about choice unless you have a uterus and no 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 no, no. naughty girls (laughs) naughty girls we see you. Oh, we see you. Okay. This, you know, it's almost my next we see you for Kirsten Cinema feels like almost I mean, it's another like and this is another person who seems like a perpetual thorn in my side um and in everyone's side who who wants to get anything done that's progressive. Um but it also almost feels preemptive. I feel like she is has yet to fully spread her wings and be the worst version of herself and really fuck over the whole bill um the whole infrastructure bill so this is kind of this i acknowledge that like we probably haven't seen the worst of of her yet um but this is just a we see you to kristen cinema because i am trying to intentionally stay slightly out of the loop on every up and down of this infrastructure bill with biden um and different 
budget reconciliation processes, because the battle between the Democrat, between moderates and progressives is, to put it mildly, incredibly frustrating, especially after how hard it was for us to take the take the Senate by such a thin, bare, barely any margin. Um, and with such a high chance that we'll lose both the House and Senate next year in the midterms, like so fun. Um, I am incredibly disappointed with Kristen Cinema. Um, I I think my overarching frustration is that is that and and one reason why she is more disappointing to me than Joe Manchin, who's who's certainly consistently extremely frustrating, is that this is a Democrat. Um, from Arizona who really rode the wave of the 2018 progressive movement and used to care about, seemed to, seemed to be principled a while back. She used to really care about the minimum wage and about um, the environment and seemed to actually advocate for those things. Um, and she just seemed to be a Democrat who was kind of with it. And now she's holding these vague, she's, she has this massive power, her and Joe Manchin, to derail the entire agenda based on, and, and based on a, what everyone is confused. You know, she's had private meetings with Joe Biden. Um, she, she can't talk about what she actually wants to see in the, in the, in the bill and what she doesn't want to see. She refuses to get specific, both her and Manchin. But it's, they won't publicly detail what their demands are. Um, and people, and time, time is running out. And this whole like coy bullshit um, is starting to get really old. Um, I, it's the type, she's the, she is the type of Democrat at this point where I, when I see what she's doing, I, it's very hard not to feel like, well, then maybe there should just be a Republican in that seat, you know, because I don't know what you're doing exactly here. And like, it's almost better to just have someone who, you know, is an enemy than someone who is like theoretic, like winking at you saying that they're, you know, talking out of two sides of their mouth and saying that they'll, they'll be an ally. Um, and yet they're not getting shit done. Um, so then the final, the final thing that really bothered me this week was, uh, essentially just seeing that she's in the pocket of big pharma, um, her, um, she's having lobbyist dinners, uh, where they're paying, you know, between a thousand and 5,800, um, directly to her Arizona reelection campaign, um, and, uh, this is different lobbyists and um, business groups that oppose the budget bill that the Senate's trying to pass. So she's she's raising money directly off of um, people who are getting in front of her, paying a lot of money to get in front of her and advocate against uh, this infrastructure bill. Um, so she's benef she's benefiting. Her reelection campaign is benefiting. Um, and it's kind of all out in the open. I mean, there was an invitation to her fundraiser, and at the top of it was the um, Roof Pack Escort um, and um, Groceries uh, National Association of Wholesale Distributors and Grocers um, Political Action Committee. Um, so all these people 
are getting in front of her. Meanwhile, she's ignoring her constituents, like the people who actually put her in office, the people who were boots on the ground um, and got her elected, the grassroots um, community organizers in Arizona. Um, Like she doesn't seem to hear on anything from the minimum wage to trying to be more cooperative on um, including environmental measures that are important in the bill. I'm, I'm extremely disappointed in her. And I, and I think, and I've seen this pop up on Twitter a lot. And I think like as white women, white women, um, (laughs) we're unfortunately like we have to, she's, she's one of ours. Um, and she's widely perceived as, um, I think embodying something that makes me really sad about, I think, like a lot of white women progressives or people who call themselves progressives um, that are, are white women who are, when push comes to shove, out for themselves and out for their own reelection. Like, God, she's only been in the Senate for a couple of years and she's fully lost track of what she's claimed, you know, what she publicly ran on, what she claims to care about. Um, and so I find her like a, a massively disappointing, enraging, and absolutely unworthy of the seat. We see you. We see you indeed. Do better. Make us <laughs> proud. Don't you care about us? <laughs> yeah. She doesn't. Um, so y'all might have remembered when Republicans added more than $7 trillion to the deficit under Trump. Because mm-hmm. um, they don't. <laughs> uh, on Monday, uh, Senate Republicans blocked a bill that would fund the government. Um, mm. It would provide billions of dollars in hurricane relief important maybe most importantly stave off uh, a default um mm-hmm. in u.s deaths uh so basically if by midnight thursday we need them congress to adopt a measure to fund the government or federal agencies and operations will start to shutter on friday morning mm. um and if we don't act before well not we we would do it if we could <laughs> but mm-hmm. if they don't act before mid-october um to raise the debt ceiling we could have our first ever default wow um wow. which would be wildly destabilizing across the world globally um so as i pointed out republicans have added more than seven trillion to the deficit under trump um, this has been a bipartisan, uh, you know, deficit, essentially. And now they're saying, no, we're not gonna, we're not gonna, we're not gonna do anything about this. Um, mm-hmm. Even though, you know, Democrats worked with Republicans under Trump for better or worse or worse or worse, <laughs> even when he was doing things that they did not support. Um like the U.S. Mexico wall, mm-hmm. that was such a a wild success um, because wild as success. as flawed as Democrats as a party and individuals can be, uh, they put you know the good of the the country and the people in it over um, partisanship. So uh, here we are mm-hmm. on the precipice of the first ever. United States default and government shutdown wouldn't be the first, but 
we have Republicans putting partisanship over what's best for the country and the people in it. And I wish I were surprised, but here we are again. And if shit hits the fan, you know that Republicans are not going to be the people who are blamed for this. No. Um, so hopefully they pull out some some last minute magic somewhere because uh, this is potentially very bad. Yeah. Um, the baddest. So uh, we see you on uh, on that one. <sighs> we see you. That's so frustrating. So frustrating. Ugh. Um, my last we see you is again repeat offender Postmaster General Louis DeJoy. Yeah. <laughs> Who most offensively is still in his job, which is just who's allowing this? Yeah. Um. People are asleep at the switch. This man has millions of dollars in stocks for at, at the uh, at UPS. So he is again like he has financial a financial stake in making the post office worse. The post office, which has worked pretty smoothly, pretty well for like the nation's entire history, but great, great, great. Um, so he and he also, by the way, is under FBI investigation or appears to be, um, according to the Washington Post. Um, the FBI is investigating Louis DeJoy in connection with campaign fundraising activity involving his former business. Um, so, you know, he's been interviewed by the FBI and his former business employees have also current and former employees asking about political contributions, company activities etc. And they've subpoenaed DeJoy for other information. So anyway, um, that while that's all happening, um, Louis DeJoy is continuing to fuck up the post office. You might remember that last year he got rid of a ton of um, volume sorting facilities, just those machines he just kind of like decommissioned in cities where there was going to be a lot of um, mail-in voting. And um, he just basically handicapped the post office for no reason. Um, so he did that. Uh, but and and the post office has also had slower service generally, which the begin which has been happening since the beginning of the pandemic, but it's about to get even slower. Um, on Friday, the post office will quote implement new service standards for first class mail and periodicals. Um, the change uh, is going to increase time in transit for mailing mail traveling long distances, such as from New York to California. Um, quote, most first class mail, 61%, and periodicals, 93%, um, are going to, this is according to the post office now, this is their statement. They say most first class mail, 61%, and periodicals, 93%, will be unaffected. Single piece first class mail traveling within the same region will still have the same delivery time of two days. Um this is first class mail is defined as defined as standard size letters and flats. Um, and that's different from first class packages, which are sh shipping smaller, lightweight packages. Um, but yeah, that's currently first class mail and first class packages have the same delivery standards, but that is going to change on Friday so that your first class mail, um, the first class packages will take longer. Um, and this is part of their, 10-year strategic plan, which DeJoy announced in March, um, which has been under heavy criticism um, since he announced it. Um, DeJoy took this position in July, uh, in June of 2020, even though he has no previous experience with the post office um, or the USPS at all and is financially has a stake in it 
doing poorly or doing worse than UPS. Um, and his post, the postmaster general's position isn't appointed or nominated by the president, but rather appointed by the independent postal service board of governors. Um, but, uh, this was something that Trump was able to, uh, get done during the pandemic, um, thinking that people weren't really going to be going to be looking. Um, so just one of those things where, you know, Biden could step in and um, hasn't uh, with the with a, appointments to the Board of Governors. And um, it's just like yet another thing that's getting worse. And it's a repercussion from the Trump administration. And it's like selfish financially vested men who have a stake in making things better for themselves and worse for everyone else. And it's so fucking irritating. Um, so, um, because the post office is supposed to be for everyone at least. Um, so anyway, this is a, we see you to Louis DeJoy and the ways that he continues to fuck up the post office. We see you. We see you. He's such a shit. Um, in terms of a good thing, um gavin newsom did a good he did he what did, did he a good i know he signed the garment worker protection act into law which oh, makes God. california the first state to pay garment workers hourly wages um oh. the industry norm has been to pay workers per item of clothing they produce which generally uh leads to so less than a third of garment workers in the la area would be earning minimum wage under that um, they could earn cents for sewing, you know, a seam or a collar. And a lot of them are paid off the books, make like $3 an hour without any overtime pay, without any health insurance. Um, and because, you know, these people are incentivized to work quickly, being paid by the item, there's a high rate of um, accidents that happen um, mm -hmm. at work. And there's a high proportion of immigrant women who are working these jobs earning these incredibly low wages. Um, so this is a, a good and very overdue thing mm -hmm. that these people who are working full-time jobs will actually be making more than three fucking dollars an hour. will be making at least minimum wage. Um, and hopefully this will set a precedent um, because like I said, this is the first state in the country that is doing this. Mm -hmm. Um which is all, you know, a glaring problem, but hopefully we can see the other 49 um, follow suit and get these, these people a living wage. So yay, yay. for <laughs> doing something that isn't evil. Yeah, that's good. Set that precedent. Let's get better. <laughs> so hopefully, and hopefully Gabby, Gabby boy, um, is going to be doing good things now that, you know, he has a little scare. Yeah. He had yeah. a close cave with yes. democratic processes. Yikes. 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 Well, on that note, um, Feminists Without Mystique is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.com slash podcasts. We'll see you next week. See you next time. Bye. Bye.